It was an attack against Jesus. There were no stones that were thrown. The attack, rather, was spiritual in nature. And it came in disguise. I'm referring to what we read about in Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bible, please open it up to Matthew chapter 16. Here we find Jesus with his disciples. And Jesus would tell his disciples some important things that they needed to understand. He would begin to tell them that he eventually was going to suffer and that eventually he would die. In verse number 21, the Bible says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you're not set in your mind on God's interest, but man's. Jesus warned his apostles that indeed he was going to suffer, as we saw in verse number 21. And Peter, I think you could say Peter responded in a protective nature, in a protective manner. Certainly he would not want to see Jesus suffer and die. But Jesus knew essentially what was really taking place. It was a spiritual attack, and I believe that's why Jesus replied sharply, get behind me, Satan. One man has said this, he said his death, talking about the death of Jesus, was so central to God's plan that to oppose it, even from the purest of motives, was to do the work of the devil. And by looking at the Lord's statement from a human, rather divine perspective, Peter the rock became a stone of stumbling. Had Christ followed what can be called the Peter principle, there would have been devastating consequences for all. Peter may have, good, may have had good intentions, but Jesus clearly knew what was taking place. This is why he said, get behind me, Satan. What do those words mean? Have you thought about that? It's a powerful statement. Get behind me, Satan. Well, I think one way to approach it is by helping us to see what it doesn't mean. Number one, I don't think Jesus was saying that Peter was literally Satan. He was not saying that. And I don't believe, number two, that he was saying that Peter was demon-possessed. Rather, I think he's trying to help us to see that the devil was using Peter and that this indeed was an attack against Jesus. And when you read this text and when you really think about that, I think that should really give us chills that we see and we are reminded that there is a battle that has taken place, a spiritual battle, that we can pull the curtains back and see that we indeed are in a spiritual battle. And it should be reason for us to have the same mindset that Jesus had, get behind me, Satan. Do you believe that we're in a spiritual battle? I hope you do, because the Bible makes that very clear from the beginning, that the devil is real and that, that we see that he is opposed to God and that he is opposed to his people. And that raises a question for all of us this morning, whose side are we really on? Are we on the devil's side or are we on God's side? Now, I already know what we're all going to right? Nobody's going to say, well, I'm on the devil's side. We teach our children, I'm in the Lord's army, right? And, and certainly we all want to be on the Lord's side. And that certainly is the right answer. And certainly that's a mindset that all of us need to have. But have we thought about another dreadful possibility? And that is, are we being used by the devil? If the devil could use Peter to attack Jesus, do you think he might be able to use us to accomplish his will? You know, many times people say, well, I wonder what the will of God is for me. And what is God's will for me? Did you know that the devil has a will as well? And 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 26, and 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 26, 
Paul reminded uh, Timothy, he talked about uh, those who had gone astray. And he said in verse 26 that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's a powerful statement, to do his will. The devil has his own intentions as well, and the devil certainly wants us to yield to him. He wants us to do what it is that he desires. Our theme, Becoming More Like Christ, this month has been, uh, has been unwilling to yield to God, and certainly we need to yield to God and his will. We need to submit to him, but make no mistake about it, my friends, the devil is after you and he is after me, and he doesn't want us to submit to God. He doesn't want us to yield to what God says in his word. Rather, he wants us to follow in his footsteps. He wants us to listen more to him and what it is that he desires for us in our lives. This morning, I want to talk about, just for a few minutes, this mindset that we all need to have. And the application is many, is much. That there are souls at stake. Our soul is at stake. Souls of others are at stake. And the mindset that we all need to have is, get behind me, Satan. That is a powerful statement. And it's got to be more than just a statement for us. It's got to be a type of, of mindset that we truly have. And I want to share with you some things with how the devil works and some things that we can do to avoid being used by the devil so we continue to do the will of let's begin by considering number one that the devil will use man to accomplish his will all throughout the bible in the old testament and in the new testament we can see that go back to matthew chapter 16 real quickly here in matthew 16 and verse 23 before i share with you some examples i want you just to notice what we learn from this one verse Jesus said, he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. The first thing I want you to notice is that number one, the devil is real. Satan is real. A lot of people ignore this and there's lots we can say about it, but the devil is real. And number two, we see exactly what he wants. He wants us to stumble and he doesn't want us to do God's will. He wants us to be more concerned about the interest of man, our own interest, instead of truly finding out what it is that God desires for us. You see, the devil has his own agenda, and he's going to use man to try to accomplish his will. Jesus recognized what was going on, and that's why he said, get behind me, Satan. I want to share with you five examples where we see the devil uh, using man and, and causing others to stumble. And uh, this should really cause us to pause and really think about how the devil works and how he operates and what we need to avoid. I want to go back to the beginning. Look in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3. I know we go to the beginning quite often, and that's great because we need to continue to read this. In Genesis chapter 3, the first exhibit or example I want you to notice is that the devil would use Eve to influence Adam. He would use Eve to influence Adam. In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says in verse number 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. We know the rest of the story. She would influence her husband, Adam. And it is powerful to see that the devil first influenced Eve. And as a result of doing that, he was also able to get to Adam. You see, the devil will uh, uh, use others to accomplish his will. That's one example there. Look in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, what we're going to see here is that the devil would influence Peter. He would, Peter would, would fall 
down a line of, or go down a path of hypocrisy. And as the Bible says, his heart stood condemned. But by influencing Peter, he also was able to influence and hinder other individuals as well. In particular, a man named Barnabas. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 11, but when Cephas came to I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. He got to Peter and he was able also, he was also able to influence Barnabas to go down the wrong, the same sinful path. The devil uses man to accomplish his will. Go back to Genesis chapter 4 and look in Genesis chapter 4. We'll look at the household of, of Adam and Eve, this time with their two sons, Cain and Abel. The devil would influence Cain to not listen to God. And as a result, he would also have an impact upon Abel's life and the fact that Cain would take his life. In Genesis chapter 4, that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, would not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. The devil attacked Abel and he used Cain to do it. Another example of the devil and how he operates is found in 1 Chronicles Chapter 21, this may be a passage that we don't typically go to, but what I want you to notice here is that the devil would use King David to attack the nation of Israel. And this is how he operates. And this is why we need to have this mentality, get behind me, Satan, because he has a will for man and he will accomplish his will by using others. The Bible says in First Chronicles chapter 21, then Satan stood up against Israel and moved, here it is, moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring me word that I may know their number. Now, somebody may be thinking, what's the big deal? David's taking a census. Why is that such a big deal? Well, we know that it was a big deal because in verse in verse number seven, the Lord was displeased. God was displeased with this thing, so he struck Israel. David said to God in verse eight, I have sinned greatly and that I have done this thing, but now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. There's so much you could dive into uh, in this passage here. It's a very fascinating passage with seeing how the devil operates. But for now, I just want you to see Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. And so he used David to hurt the people of God, and he was successful. That's four examples. Let me give you another one in Acts chapter 13. And I'm just showing you these examples here because I want you to see how the devil operates and what we need to make sure that we avoid, that we don't allow him to use us to hurt others, as we'll see here. In Acts chapter 13 and verse number six, the Bible says, when they had gone through the whole island, talking about 
uh, Paul and some of the other disciples. Through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them. Take note of that. He was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He was doing his best for this man not to hear the truth. He didn't want this man to hear the truth about Christ. But Saul, in verse 9, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, you who are full of deceit and fraud. Think about that. You see what Paul's saying? You who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil. It doesn't get more powerful than that, does it? You are a son of the devil. You are at, you're doing his will. You enemy of, of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? I want you to see how powerful that is, that Paul recognized what was going on here and that there was this spiritual attack that was taking place, that Elymas was trying to deceive Sergius Paulus. Just by looking at those examples, we see how the devil operates and we can see his influence and how he can, how he influences others and how he can attack others. So what does this mean for us? Well, number one, the devil wants to do the same thing with me and he wants to do the same thing with you. He wants to use us. Now the question is, will we allow him to do that? He can't force us to do it, but will we allow him to do it? The devil is the unwelcomed visitor. We talk so much about welcoming visitors here. I, we, don't welcome, we don't welcome the devil. We don't want him to be a part of West Maine at all. We don't want him here at all. And we don't want him in here at a congregation. We don't want him in our marriages. And we certainly don't want him at the home or in the home. He is the one that is not welcomed in any of those places. And yet there's some things that we need to really think about and consider. As we see how the devil operates... It's very clear that just as he used others to hurt others, he wants to do the same with us. He wants to use us to hurt other individuals. And it's so easy to look around in the world and see all the terrible things that are happening and people who are not proclaiming the truth and the, with the word of God and how they or abuse the scriptures and things like that. But we've got to look more than just in the world. We've got to make sure that we understand that the devil is coming after us too. That it's not just what's going on in the world and what people are doing out in the world and things like that. The devil is coming after me and he's coming after you and he wants to use us to hurt others. And we cannot allow that to happen. And you think about the examples that we just read about. And those five examples that I shared with you, I want you to notice just how serious this really is. Go back to Galatians chapter 2. And this is why, brethren, that as we strive to become more like Christ, we really have to listen to what it is that Jesus says. We really need to yield to him and allow him to lead us because the devil has his own will for us. And he wants us to listen to him. You go back to Galatians chapter 2, and I know we talked a little bit just about this, but it is really powerful to think about how Peter was used or how Peter's actions, rather, had a negative impact upon everyone else. We already know the situation with Peter, that his soul stood condemned in verse number 11. And because of his hypocrisy, but verse 13 is powerful as well. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. You see, by Peter's actions, 
he now was hurting individuals around him in the church. And there's something powerful to think about that our actions don't just typically stop with us. Maybe that can be the case or they typically don't merely just hurt us. There can be a ripple effect. And the devil is aware of this. And so by getting Peter to, be, to play the role of a hypocrite and influencing him, he was also able to influence in a negative way so many others. And yet Peter had been warned about this. Jesus and the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 10, when he was called to go to the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he had been, he had been demonstrated, or it had been demonstrated to him that Gentiles were fellow heirs. They could also be fellow heirs of the kingdom of God. And yet he would still not listen or forget all these things that he had learned. Peter allowed Satan to use him instead of saying, get behind me, Satan. And if God or Satan could do that with the apostle Peter, could Satan use us to bring others down in the church? Only if we let him. You see, he can't force us to do anything, but only if we allow him or only if we let him. Now, in this case, we see here in the church that Peter played the role of a hypocrite. And being a hypocrite as he was negatively influenced brothers or brethren around him. Now, maybe that may not be the challenge for us, or maybe that may not be the attack for us, but make no mistake about it. The devil wants to use me and he wants to use you in this church to cause others to stumble and to cause others to fall. Maybe it's with bitterness. Maybe it's with gossip. Maybe it's with jealousy. Maybe it's with apathy. My friends, we got to have a get behind me Satan mindset because he is coming after us and his work is never done. And if he can influence Peter of all people, then certainly he can influence us if not careful. We cannot allow him to do that. He wants to hurt us and he wants to use me and you to hurt others in this local church. And we cannot allow that to happen. But as I said, it's not just in the church. He wants to use us to hurt those who are in our very homes. And I know that's the case because that is exactly what happened in the beginning. Go back to Genesis chapter three and Genesis chapter four. In the beginning, that's what we see. In the beginning, there was perfection. In the beginning, Adam and Eve had everything. In the beginning, everything was perfect and the devil was also there too. And the devil was out to destroy their marriage. And he did, he was successful in a large degree. He caused Adam and Eve to not listen to what it was that God said. Yes, they had been given God's word. They needed to trust his word, but the devil has his own agenda too. And he went after the home and he was largely, he was successful. And in Genesis chapter four, we saw that too with Cain and Abel. He attacked in the home. And as a result of that, others were hurt because they allowed the devil to use them to hurt their family. If Satan could do that with Adam and Eve, if he could do that with Cain, and that's only the beginning, how many examples do we really need? What about King David? In his home, the sword would not depart from his home because he allowed the devil to influence him and he allowed him to do things that were contrary to the will of God. And if he could do those things in the home, if he could do those things to men like David and Adam, then certainly he's gonna try to do the same thing in our homes. 
A couple of weeks ago, we did a lesson talking about being willing to yield, in particular, in the home. That as husbands and wives, we are to listen to what it is that God says for us to do in the home. But the devil doesn't want us to do that. Instead, he wants us to rebel and not listen to what it is that God says for us to do. And brothers and sisters, we just have to be aware of this, that he wants to use us to hurt others. And if he had done, he's been doing this for centuries. And so we can't be naive about this fact. And I'm sure when you look at King David and the apostle Peter and so many others, I'm sure they never imagined how a single choice they made could wind up costing them and others around them so much. I'm sure they never thought about the the long-term ramifications. And we often fall into that same perspective as well. We don't often think about how we can be influenced by the devil and how that will actually impact our homes. But all we have to do is look around society and we can see that homes are being impacted. And we can forget about looking into the world. We can look in, we can look in the church and we can see how homes are negatively impacted when we allow the devil to use us to hurt one another. And my friends, that cannot be. The devil wants us to have chaos and confusion and anger and bitterness and lack of forgiveness and lack of mercy in our homes. And we need to have a get behind me Satan mentality. You're not going to ruin this house. You're not going to ruin this local congregation. That's the mindset that we must have. He accomplishes his will through others. And he wants to use me and he wants to use you. And we must say that is never going to happen. And so I want to wrap this up by, by, by considering a couple of thoughts that we should not allow the devil to use us. Now people will say, well, of course not. But yet sadly at times we can refuse to listen, what it, listen to what it is that God truly wants us to do. Therefore, we need to truly consider what it is that we can do so that we will not allow the devil to use us so that we can have a get behind me Satan mentality. Let me give you three thoughts with this. And this you could describe as our defense, if you will, uh, so that we will not be led astray by the devil, so that he will not accomplish his will through us. Number one is this. First, we got to help ourselves. And what I mean by that is that we got to have the right mindset. And let me give you book, chapter, and verse to demonstrate what I mean. Look over in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says it very nicely. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 27, as Paul was speaking about anger, he said in verse number 27, do not give the devil an opportunity. You see that? Don't give the devil an opportunity. And so when it comes to us being successful, we are victorious in Jesus Christ. But it means that we're also going to have to help ourselves. And as he spoke about anger, Paul made it very clear. Listen, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't allow him to even get in the house. Don't allow him to to, to take a hold of you and to, to go down this path at all. But it begins by us first helping ourselves. We have to take responsibility. We are going to have to say, I'm not going to allow this to happen. And while some may think it's kind of silly to say, get behind me, Satan, it's a powerful statement. And maybe we need to start saying that in our language, in our speech, get behind me, Satan, because he is working 
He doesn't want us to listen to what God has to say. He wants us to do his will. And so it begins by us first saying, no, that's not going to happen, and he's not going to get an opportunity in my life at all. The second deep part of our defense that we can do to make sure that we don't allow Satan to use us is to have others or let others help us. And here's what I mean by this. It's a simple point, and yet it's very hard. Athletes have coaches to help correct them, right? Athletes have coaches to help correct them, to help them to run faster. Am I right about this, right? You got your own coach? Athletes have coaches to help correct them. Professionals have life coaches to keep them on track. Christians, who do we have? Christians. That's who we have. Christians have Christians. We're in this together. We don't, we're not going on this journey by ourselves. We are in this together, which means I need you and you need me. And you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. We need one another. You can look at all the examples that we had, or most of them. You can see King David, he had someone who was trying to help him out. Go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, David was going down the wrong path. He's going to number the Israelites. And yet he had a voice. He had someone speaking to him who was trying to get him to see, don't do this. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, David, in verse number 2, said to Joab and to the princes of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring me word that I may know their number. Now watch what Joab said. Joab said, may the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why does the Lord seek this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt to Israel? You see what he's saying? David, have you lost your mind? That's my translation, all right? Have you lost your, what are you doing? You're going to bring about guilt upon all the people. David had someone that was trying to help him. Now, in this case, he didn't listen. And God would have him make a choice. In verse 12, he said, okay, David, you take for yourself either three years of famine or three months to be swept away before your foes while the sword of your enemies overtakes you or else three days of the sword of the Lord, even pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now, therefore, consider what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Now, David had to make a decision. You didn't listen. You had Joab. He was trying to get you to see, David, don't go down this path. Now, I'm glad this isn't the only example that we have with King David because we do know in other occasions he did listen. Remember who he listened to one time? Nathan. And Nathan was able to talk to David in such a way. And we got to give credit to David because David had a, had a soft heart. And, and while he struggled at times with different situations, David listened to Nathan. Here's my point. We all need one another. We all need a Nathan, someone who can get in our face and someone who can say, what are you doing? You are going down the wrong path and you don't understand exactly what you're getting ready to get yourself into. And that's what Peter needed. He needed a Nathan. Who was Peter's Nathan? Paul. Paul had to confront Peter, and Paul had to help Peter to see, Peter, what you're doing, you're playing the role of a hypocrite, and this isn't right, and he needed help from other individuals. Well, my friends, the same thing is true for us, and yet the challenging part with this is sometimes we don't always like to listen to wise counsel, 
It's hard to be corrected at times. And yet this is exactly what God has done, has given for us, given to us, that we have one another. And this is why we confess our sins to one another. This is why we lean upon one another. This is why we have each other. We need one another. And this is how we can be successful over the devil. Get behind me, Satan, mindset. We are going to have to help ourselves. We're going to need others to help us. And ultimately, we're going to have to have God's help. We are in a spiritual battle, and we need the help of God. And thank goodness, thank God, God has not left us alone, but he has given us victory in Jesus Christ, and we can be successful in overcoming the devil. James said that we can resist the devil, and when we resist him, he'll do what? He will flee. And so we can be successful in this, but we have to continuously look in the mirror of God's word that will convict our soul to the point of confession and to the point of repentance. We need God's word and we need what he has to say. We need to evaluate our lives and our motives and our interests with what it is that God says in his word and whatever we find, whatever it is that he tells us to do, we need to listen to him. We have to be willing to yield. That's where our focus has been this month. We have to be willing to yield no matter what it may be. In Matthew chapter 4, In Matthew chapter 4, this example we talk about quite a bit, and it's a powerful example. Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, in Matthew chapter 4, in those 12 verses, we won't read all 12, but in Matthew chapter 4, time and time again, we see how Jesus overcame the devil. As he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. In verse 3, the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. That's how we say, get behind me, Satan. That's how we do it. It is written. It is written, man shall not live on by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of David. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Now the devil is using scripture, but certainly he wasn't handling it the proper way. And so Jesus would reply with, it is written. That's how we can be successful. Jesus trusted in his father. He relied upon his father. He knew the word of God. And this is what we are going to need if we're truly going to be successful. Make no mistake about it, my friends. The devil is after you and he is after me. And he doesn't want us to yield to God. He doesn't want us to have the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control and love and joy and peace and long suffering. He doesn't want us to have any of that. Rather, he wants us to do his will. And this is why we must have this mindset, get behind me, Satan. And when we do, we will be successful. But we're going to have to stay focused on our king in heaven. Jesus recognized that there was a spiritual battle taking place. And we need to recognize that there is a spiritual battle that we are in. But we are successful if we continue to trust in Jesus Christ and continue to do what it is that he desires for us to do. The Satan, Satan will not be victorious because Jesus has already done all the heavy lifting. Our job now is to simply to trust in him and to have this mindset, get behind me, Satan. So let me ask everyone a question. Is there any area in our lives or in your life and my life where we need to have this mindset, get behind me, Satan? It's one thing to read about all these different examples But do we need to have this mindset somewhere? Get behind me, Satan. I see what you're trying to do and it's not going to work. Whatever that situation or whatever that uh, part of our life may be, that's the way that we need to respond. Maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to be saved. 
Maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to put on Christ in baptism. And maybe the devil, well, not maybe, I know the devil doesn't want you to do that. But you cannot allow him to do that. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you know the truth, you need to have that mindset, get behind me, Satan. And don't allow him to stop you from receiving the great blessings that Jesus has for you. But for those of us who are saved, for those of us who are already in Jesus Christ, for those of us who have put on Christ, we need to keep telling the devil to stay behind us. And we need to keep doing the will of God. Get behind me, Satan. We can't allow him to win. And we have everything we need in, our, in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's make sure that we have this mindset. God is the one that can redeem us from our sins. Don't let the devil hold you back from being saved from your sins. And if you're in Jesus Christ, don't allow him to use you and don't allow him to lead you astray. You remain with the Lord. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing. Jesus will receive.